Well, good day, everybody, and welcome back to the extras. My name is Sam. I'm Andrew. Yeah, you are. And uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, today's episode. We've got uh, some questions coming out of uh, Sunday uh, with the, uh, our new series on church, uh, which we kicked off. We also kicked off live streaming, which was a bit of an exciting time yeah, on awesome. Sunday, having people back, having people online. Um, you were preaching. Uh, tell us a little bit, Andrew, just for, in case people missed it or sort of slipped from their mind. What, what was Sunday all about? What was the, the heart of what you were teaching us Sunday? Yeah, so we think about church. Um, we, we started by looking at uh, the scattering and the gathering mm. and that gathering God's people together is a really central purpose of God's. Yep. We looked at the um the promise in Ezekiel that God would act to gather his people together after the scattering. Yep. The idea that in Hebrews chapter 12 that we are now mm. gathered in the heavenly realms in Christ. Yeah. And so that's the kind of the spiritual reality. Yes. Um, but also God is working through the earthly reality of church too. So he's mm. working sort of at both levels. Yeah. And also Revelation 21 shows us that where we're going with all of this ultimately is that the spiritual reality will become a bodily reality yeah, in, the new creation. in the new creation. So we will, we our future, as I, as I said, is is not digital. Our future hmm. is, is bodily. physical, bodily, yeah. and and gathered eternally yeah. with, with our heavenly Father. So there's a sense in which our our meetings now um, point to that, mm. um, and, uh, and take their shape from that. Yeah. Uh, it's just exciting. We had a great night of growth group, just reflecting on that and, and getting excited. Wait, we could just not being able to wait almost until that heavenly yeah. spiritual reality becomes our experience in the new creation. We just sort of ended our night just praying, come Lord Jesus in terms of how good it's going to well, be. I mean, that's Romans 8 that we looked at yeah. uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the, right. the groaning. We, yeah. we, um, you know, you'll put it more positively, but there's yeah. also the negative way of putting it, which is we just groan for it. That's right. That's we right. yearn for it and we groan for it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I've got a couple of questions, five questions to tackle um, this morning, and uh, we'll, we'll just dive straight in. So um, one of the applications that you sort of landed on in your talk was uh, um, having a godly dissatisfaction with the status quo, obviously particularly during the pandemic, but even more broadly, even because our church you know, and all churches weren't perfect pre pandemic and you were sort of exhorting us to a, a godly dissatisfaction to want to make it better than it was. Yeah. Um, and that, that was really helpful. But someone's, I think, helpfully asked the question, what is the difference between that that godly satisfaction that you mentioned and the, the grumbling that uh, the Israelites kind of got uh, punished for, for their, that they were obviously dissatisfied with, with their experience of the gathering post uh, being brought out of Egypt, but God was unhappy with their dissatisfaction yeah. so can you help us just yeah 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 i think um uh somebody also sort of asks rather than godly dissatisfaction would not godly patience be a better yeah. concept so yes. i think that godly dissatisfaction phrase um provoked a bit of thought which i, I think is good mm. um i guess one of the key differences i think between the concept of godly dissatisfaction i mean i it's just words I'm using. Uh, yes, yep. I'm, I'm trying to get that concept across. Mm -hmm. And the grumbling in the desert is the idea of your attitude towards God. Okay. So the heart towards God that says, God, what are you doing? This is so stupid. I hate this. Mm. I hate what you've given me. I want what I want. Mm. That's, 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 that's grumbling. That's grumbling. That's the thing that got the Israelites into trouble. Yep. And I think we can be guilty of doing that, and especially in a pandemic. Mm. 
Um, I think the, the the positive sense of the the godly dissatisfaction idea that I was, I was talking about, in, in my mind, the the issue is to do with your having the same heart as God has. So mm-hmm. I think it is back in the Romans eight kind of idea about uh, we groan mm. and. Negative emotion is not a bad thing. Okay. Um, to groan, to be dissatisfied is not a bad thing if we're dissatisfied about the same things that God is dissatisfied with. Mm. I think in one of the sermons, I can't remember if I did in all of them, but I, I use the uh, the parallel illustration of um, sin. So I am I have a dissatisfaction with myself with sin. Mm. And I think that's a godly thing that I say, ah, I've fallen into sin again. Mm. That's not good. Yeah. I don't want that. Yes. What I want is to work to stop that. Yes. And and I never want to lose that sense of that's not good. I want to stop doing that. And so grumbling in that to keep going with that um that illustration of sin, grumbling would be to blame God and say, God, what do you you who'd you make you me keep, to be you, you yeah. keep giving me these opportunities to sin and you keep doing well, how, yeah. you know Why don't you make my life easier so that I so don't, that I don't sin, sin like that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Whereas I think godly dissatisfaction is recognizing God's given you Christ and you can you can now change through the power of the Holy Spirit and and then praying God, please change me and help me to be yeah. who you want me to be. And and I think there's a really important dynamic in all of that, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about a godly dissatisfaction with your own failings and sin and moving forward or you're talking about a godly dissatisfaction with how church falls short of the ideal. Yes. Um, there's a danger of despair. Mm. So um, th- there's... Um, I, I almost said a, a, a blackboard or something, but if you can imagine, you know, we're here... Yes. Um, what will be like, what church or our gathering will be like is here. Yep. In this life, we can move from here to here. Yeah. But the goal's right up there. Yes. So if, if we make positive movement and, and, and just get depressed because we're not up there, yeah. that's wrong-headed too. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's sort of yearning for what God wants, moving, trying to move things forward, trying to yep. work on our, our godliness or trying to work on making church better, yeah. but understanding that it will never get right. It until, will ne- yeah. we'll never get it right yep. until Jesus comes back. Yeah, and that, I mean it, the, the same. It's, it is helpful, that parallel between personal godliness as well because Paul picks up the same thing in 2 Corinthians where he talks about being transformed into an ever-increasing likeness of the, the the likeness of Christ, but there's also going to be this moment where, in the blink of an eye, yeah. we will be transformed perfectly into the likeness of yeah. Christ. Um, and, but that doesn't mean we don't knowing that it's going to be fully finished later doesn't mean you don't try. Yeah, a bit now. Yeah, yeah. The old, you know, there'll be no more tears or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away, yeah. and until God calls time, the old order of things is what we're living in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Another question here is uh, regarding Ephesians 3.10, which which you moved through on Sunday, talking about how the church actually has a huge purpose in God's kind of um, display to to, uh, what he calls the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Mm. And that's Ephesians 3.10, which is... uh, um, Someone's just said, look, who are those rulers and authorities? What's that getting at? Yeah, yeah. Um, So... uh, in the Bible, it's actually quite difficult as we read the Bible to make a complete and completely satisfying uh, description or theology of 
the forces that are opposed to us. Mm. Lots so of hints, but no. There's lots no of hints. Of, yeah. So I, I think I used the illustration at one of the services about uh, where, where this question got asked. Um, in, in, in Sydney Harbour, there's a reef um, off the Opera House to the right. It's called Sow and Pigs. And it you can only see it at low tide. And mm. when it's low tide, you sort of see a little bit of white water and occasionally you see a glint of a bit of rock. Right. You certainly don't want to sail your boat through there. Yes. But um, you, you only sort of see it sometimes and it's partial. Mm. And, and that's the theology of demons, mm. Satan, and these powers and authorities in the heavenly realms. These mm. are... We are pretty sure these are negative, not positive powers. Mm. Yep. There's yep. something that these are. God is trying to put these people down. Yes. By displaying His wisdom with, and, and He's displaying His victory in Christ. Yep. Yep. In the church, mm. and um, so making a complete answer to this question is not mm. possible. Tricky, but we sense that there, and we know that the Bible tells us that there are powers arrayed against us. Mm. Uh, spiritual powers, and that our 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 battle is not flesh and blood; it's spiritual. Mm. And and this is one of those spots where it it, it pokes through, and we go, "Oh, yeah. there's actually something much bigger going on here, as well as what I can see with my eyes." Yes, and this heavenly realms, phrase, It's a bit of a it's an Ephesians unique thing, is it? Six times in Ephesians, I think you get this this idea of um, the heavenlies or the heavenly mm. realms, and. Uh, Two of them are, are referring, so some of them are referring to like our our blessings in the heavenly realms, yep. Ephesians 1, but two of them, this one and Ephesians 6, where it talks about our, our fight, talks about there seems to be some other powers we don't get much uh, that are not God, that are opposed to God, and they're also sort of looking on as to what God's doing, and they see the church and they get some sense of, wow, God's amazing out of what God has done in the mm. church. I mean, you get another place you can see it is uh, Revelation twelve. Yes. So Revelation twelve is this fantastic, um, uh, almost cartoon-like mm. description of all of salvation history. Mm. And there, it's you're you're seeing the earthly events mm-hmm. of Jesus' uh, birth and life and death and mm. resurrection from a heavenly perspective. From a heavenly perspective, mm. and and it's really quite. Mm. There's a dragon. Stunning. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> yeah. and, and you yeah. you're trying to make sense of it, but it. It actually does help. It helps to read Revelations 12, Revelation 12. Yep. It helps to see passages like this because yeah. we know that there is a spiritual battle we're engaged in. Yep. And what this is saying is that the church itself yes. is at the centre of God's plan to yeah. show them they're defeated, to show them God's wisdom in his plan mm. for salvation. And I think in the context of Ephesians 3, it's as the church, Jew and Gentile, expresses their unity to yep. one another, that is a powerful uh, witness to those pa- to those um, rules and authorities that God has won the victory, that he has broken down any division between humanity and has united them That's under it. Christ. And yeah. th- there is a bit of a debate about this passage. Yes. And I, I'm, I went to mention um, Tony Payne's blog, mm. um, and then I lost my train of thought in answering one of the questions. Yeah, okay. yeah. But um, the reason I was raising that is Tony helpfully draws out um, the, the debate there. Mm. Um, so some will say that what, what Ephesians 3.10 is talking about is the heavenly church, the, yes. the Hebrews 12 church. Yep. Others will say, no, no, it's the church in the world. Mm. Personally, I actually think it it can and I think is talking about both. Mm. It's talking about because, um, as Tony himself says a little bit later on, yes, um, it talks about um, the whole um, 
uh, family, verse um, 15, Ephesians 3, 15. There's reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Yeah, yeah. There is a sense of right in the mind of Paul as he's writing, there is a... uh, both of them are, yeah, there, and they're both a, re, they're both realities at the same time. Mm. It's just perhaps different ways of looking at the same thing. And of course, the heavenly realms, as we saw in Hebrews twelve, includes all Christians who've ever lived. Yes, not just the ones who are alive now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let Let's push on. Um, one of the things that you noted on Sunday was just uh, the fact that technology. It's it's better than nothing. Being able to gather on Zoom or Skype or you know through blogs and things that you mentioned. Mm. Um, someone's asked, look, what about the church in past pandemics, past crises, yes, uh, of which there've been plenty in the past. You know, we feel like COVID's huge, but compared to things like the Spanish flu and the, the Black Death and other mm. things that have come in history, COVID is, is is really quite a small blip, to be honest. Yeah, um, I mean, there was a plague in the in the second century, I think, that took out. A third of the Roman Empire. Yeah, it's insane. Um, like thirty percent death toll. Like, yeah, something huge. like that. And and, yeah. and you know that was the early period of the church. And so, mm. yeah, we're, we're certainly th- this is we use the word unprecedented a lot. It's quite it, quite it, well precedented. It's actually got lots of precedent. <laughs> it's just right. that we haven't lived through it ourselves. Right. So so what, what what did the church do in those times? Yeah. So um, super big picture, um. Plagues tend to bring massive social change, mm. and I think we kind of sense that that might be the case now. Yep. Um, and um, you know, one of the things that's interesting about the church in the world is God uses the big things in history to advance the church. And mm. because we follow a God who is eternal and is unchanging, there's a stability in Christian life because of the God we follow. There's mm. a stability in, in the church because of the God we follow. So unlike some human institutions, the church will not be swept away. It might be transformed, changed, it might be pruned, Mm. but it won't be swept away. And so I think whatever we say, we should be looking for opportunities for the gospel in all of this. Um, I think just practically, like I said in the question saying, yes, praise God for things like you know, Zoom and Skype and yeah. the internet, yeah. um, you know, the thing we're doing now. Yep. Um, in uh, we, we know that in, in the 1919 flu epidemic, yep. very like now, churches uh, had to socially distance. Yep. So I saw a picture of a church in Sydney from that period where, <laughs> quite like now, um, there were people with masks on yep. and there was, I think, two on each pew and the pew behind was empty. Yep. And, and they sat sort of in a checkerboard pattern through the church. Mm. Um, and uh, also uh, we understand that the church in that period met outside sometimes when they could. Yep. Um, and so that sort of thing happened as well. But um, the other thing I think to, to recognise is churches in Sydney, there was a lot more churches in Sydney actually. Mm. There would have been a lot more seats yes. in churches back then. Yep. And, and um, a smaller population. And though. a much smaller population. So. Yep. There was different pressures for them. So mm. I, we probably have more physical pressure, but we we have the internet, which has helped us yes. so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good to look back, but also good to look for our own opportunities because this will be slightly different to what it was a hundred years ago. That's right. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, love. Jo- John 13.34 says the people of God will be known by our love for one another. And uh, the person said here, this, this must surely be pure love. I take it that they mean sort of non-sexual love possibly. Um, since churches have fallen apart due to people dating within the church, uh, what can we do to help keep the love pure? So, so maybe we need to zoom out a little bit and just think about what, what kind of love is Jesus talking about when he says yeah. we'll be known by love and then maybe come back and think through what does that mean in terms of dating and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a long and, and tired sort of thing to talk about that, you know, in, in, in the New Testament, there's three Greek yes. words for love. Yeah, take us through it though. For some uh, some people some people will know that like the back of their hand. Others won't know that at all. Yep. So yeah. um, what are the three? There's agape. Yep. Uh, philos. Yep. Ph- phileo. Yep. What's the other one? Uh, oh gosh, that's a, that's a shocker, isn't it? My, um, it'll come to us. Keep yeah. going. Yep. Three three the, words, I guess, is what it, we're saying. This is one of the realities yeah. about you know when we talk about translating the Bible. Yeah. Um, Greek is a different language to English, yeah. And it's not just about it's not just that you you find or oh, that Greek word translates to this English word. Mm. Um, often there's words that don't have, mm. uh, you know, and it goes both ways. There's some words like this where there's three words in Greek, and one word eros, in English. Yeah, the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah like erotic, erotic love. Eros. Yeah, yeah. 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 So phileo, erotic, and um, agape. There you three. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, and there's other places where. Greek only has one word, and we have three, and you've got to mm-hmm. work out which is the right English word to use at the time. Yep. So um, in, in certainly here what we're talking about is love for the brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's family love. It's brotherly love and sisterly love mm. and yep. love for your father and your mother and your children. It's mm. that, that kind of love, mm. not erotic love, not mm. the love that our husband has for a wife in, in that sense. Yep. Um, and so... Um, they're quite right to draw this distinction because, mm. um, yeah, we're not talk- we're not a free love sect or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're not known by our dating prowess. We're, we're known by our, our love for one another, yeah. our, which is, yeah. 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 And I think this is an area where um, if, if we can think into it a little bit, mm. um, I think Christians have it all over the world because one of the things that's happened recently, I think, is that we have – had a sexualization of all love and relationships. Mm. And so one of the things that's, that's you know, the, the classic and obvious one is, you know, the concept of the bromance, mm. which is really just a jokingly sexualized way of talking about the friendship that men have for each other. Yep. And I think it's actually, it's, it, it sort of sounds funny on the surface, but I think it's deeply tragic actually mm. because to sexualize all relationships is to buy into a, a line that's being run in our society that's very destructive. And it is very destructive. So we, we can see all kinds of evidence that men particularly are being are becoming more and more lonely and isolated. Mm. Suicide rates are going up. Yep. And I think something that can be pointed to really clearly is that uh, re- the relational webs that were there in the past mm. are breaking down. Mm. So whatever you can say about the present... Um, one thing that's really a clear negative is the relational web in society is breaking down. And one of the really principal ones is the relationship between men. Yeah. Men don't have that ability as much as they used to perhaps mm. to connect with other men and be good friends with each other yeah. and get that kind of support that men need with yeah. each other. And so, um, sorry, I'm going to rant here. No, that's fine. But um, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think it's actually really important on, on this point of yeah. the, the difference between the, the different kinds of love. And, and I think 
our world wants to mash them together and we don't want to mash them together. Yeah. We want to keep it really clear. What we're talking about here is love for each other yeah. uh, as brothers and sisters. Yep. And, and it is interesting. I mean, for a young adult as well, which I, I presume given the dating kind of angle, this question potentially mm. comes from a, a young adult. I remember some good advice that I got um, at the end of high school from an older Christian man was uh, everyone around you will, will spend this time chasing a, a girl to date. Now, that God might give you that, but spend this time building your friendships and investing in mates and, and getting mm-hmm. to know, building Christian male friendships, which will last you for a lifetime. And I was really grateful for that advice because yeah. the, the temptation can be to come to church and just only see you know, someone who's a dating prospect and think, yeah. could I maybe, you know, uh, and that, if, if God grants you that, fantastic. Um, but there's actually something really precious about uh, learning to love uh, people who will be your friends, your Christian friends, your, your who, who will stand, and, and that's not just for guys, but for girls as well. I think learning to love one another is is a, is a lost art, perhaps. Yeah, and I, I think um, another passage is really helpful in this regard. I'm trying to remember where it is. I think it's in Titus. The passage that talks about treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it Titus? Uh, is it one Timothy four? It's one. It's one of the pastoral epistles. Yeah, it's in the pastorals. Yeah. Um, but I think it talks about kind of how to live together. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. We, and it's got that with absolute purity kind of line mm. in it, which I think um, gives you the uh, – that's um, no, not 1 Timothy 4. I think it is Titus. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Titus right. 2. Yep. Um, well, yeah. That, yeah. It, it's, it's saying – uh, where are we? Verse. Yeah, I'm not sure. It is. I mean, Titus two has yeah, some of those I'm ideas about older it. women and younger women. Um, no, it's, it's one Timothy five actually, um, where it is. Uh, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat right. younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in absolute purity. Yeah, and yeah. and I think um, that helpfully edges into. Um, picking through the differences. So mm. there's an obvious danger here that you need to talk about, which is we want to treat each other as brothers and sisters. Yes. Um, but also, I mean, this is why in the early church in the Roman Empire, Christians were accused of uh, being engaged in cannibalism because they ate the flesh and blood of Jesus <laughs> and incest because they married their brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and so we, we do, we are brothers and sisters and yet, you know, for most of us, we'll end up marrying one of our brothers mm, or sisters yep. in Christ. Yep. And and so you have to sort of tread the line of the way you relate. Yes. So the way that I might relate to Sam will be different to the way I might relate to a young woman. Yes. Um, recognising the, the difference mm. um, in, in in gender and, and the risks and, mm. and things there. So, you know, I, I think a lot of that advice that um, many of us will have heard, you know, things like, you know, try not to be alone in a room with somebody of the opposite sex that you're not married to, mm-hmm. um, at least for very long. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's a, there's wisdom there in, in, in being absolutely pure, yeah. pursuing purity, which is the, the question here. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a helpful question. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let, let, let's push on to our final question for today. And that is, um, given that, I guess, where the rubber hits the road for us right now in our experience of church, um, the question is coming, is there an important important difference between meeting as a whole church that is getting us all together or uh, and versus meeting as sort of little groups, watch parties kind of around the place? Yeah. And if so, what, what's the important difference? Yeah. So I think um, 
what I was saying on the weekend is meeting together in church is better than a watch party watching church on, on video or whatever, yep. which is better than being alone watching it, yep. which is better than not coming at all. Sure. Okay, um, so, so there's some stages, some steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we, we don't, as I said, we don't want to despise because for some of us right now, mm-hmm. all we can do is be at home alone mm-hmm. watching it and, and being on Zoom or whatever it is. Yes. And for those people, we don't want to be despising that because that's all they can do at the moment. Yep. And, and yep. it's good that they can do that. Yeah. As opposed to nothing. Yes. Likewise, the the watch parties. You know, we have to have the watch parties at the moment because we can't, we can't fit everyone in. in. Yeah. I don't know. We, we're hoping that at some point the government might. Yeah. Um, now we sh- the we're rules. expecting a, an announcement. I'm we're hoping to check after this. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. if you know, obviously, actually, until the government eases up on restrictions, we are going to be limited because mm. the four square meter rule, as well as the, the cap in numbers, means yeah. we just can't get everybody in. And yep. so we've got to have some people doing that, mm. that that thing. But this is where that godly dissatisfaction comes in. It's better that we be um, meeting all together yes. than the the, the, um, the 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 watch party, though the watch party is a, a yeah. necessary thing. So, so, so the watch party is like a, 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 um, a way of kind of making the, the most of uh, the situation that we've got. But why, why would we say, like if we, we moved out of the pandemic just for yep. a minute, would we would we have a problem with with sort of six or seven Christians saying you know we're not coming to the main gathering today we're going to get the MP3 from Sunday we're going to listen to that ourselves um, and we're going to call that church what why would we say that's not ideally that it would be better for them to be in the whole in the main yeah. gathering yeah um, I think um, it partly has to do it's, it, there's a few things um, I think it, it has to do with that bodily reality mm-hmm. um, so there's a bodily reality of the unity that we display. Expressing the unity by actually being there. Being there, being yep. together, standing shoulder to shoulder all together. And so if one little yes. segment of it yes. is, is is spun off geographically somewhere else, they're, yep. not, they're yep. not with us, they're yep. apart from us, yeah. though they might be watching the video or, yeah, yeah. or whatever. So that's yep. part of part So that's of not a, the, the expression is not around hearing the same, the expression of unity is not around hearing the same bit of teaching, that's right. but around actually being together. That's right. Because, yep. I mean, you, know, you, you, you take it out. You know, reductio ad absurdum. Yeah. You, you know, we could all listen to the same, uh, you know, uh, sermon recording yes, ourselves. We could, all, we could all have Glenn Davies. He could preach one sermon and every church in the diocese could all tune in at the yep. same time and say we're, we're one church. Yep. And and if that's all you could do, that, there are worse that would things. be a good thing. Glenn's a good preacher. But, yep. um, <laughs> but, but if that's not all you can do and you're just choosing to do that, what you're doing is you're you're, you're, you're moving into that fragmentation rather than yeah, embracing yeah. the togetherness. Okay. I think there's also a reality about spiritual leadership. Mm. Um, I think the the... the the reality is we we are organised into churches with spiritual headship and leadership. Mm, yep. Um, and I think the New Testament's pretty um, pretty insistent that we we, we mm. order the church and we have leaders. Yes, we have shepherds, we have overseers um, who, who who care for our flock. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you were saying before about. Um, the pastoral epistles, mm. just how much you've been struck as you've been reading them about. How yeah, I've been prepping them up for some teaching coming up with, with the salt leaders. And, um, uh, yeah, just really struck that t- Paul's sort of constant exhortation both to Titus and to Timothy is that a huge part of their role as 
kind of area overseas is to raise up elders and leaders in the local churches mm. and, and that that work because because it is through the, the, the work of those those elders that the local congregation will be um, shepherded and yeah. uh, so I actually think that yeah that spiritual leadership is a key mark of uh, of a gathering and so for for now again, we're we're happy in the pandemic for people to gather as the, as the, they can because gathering with someone is better than gathering with nobody. Yeah. But in an ideal world, we wouldn't have six or seven sort of just on their own doing their own thing outside of the oversight of um, of those God appointed elders. And I reckon actually, even in the pandemic, yes, we're not really happy for that for very long. Mm. So I actually think, let's say for argument's sake, yes. We got stuck in this for another 10 years. Yeah. And we were exactly with the rules we've got now and yep. the, the epidemiological yep. conditions we're in now. Yep. Went for 10 years. I mean, that, that plague I mentioned in the Roman Empire. Yeah. It went for 15 years straight. Yeah. They had 10 years off. Then it came back again for another 10 years. The second wave. The second wave. Is, uh, <laughs> we're yeah. talking about 35 yeah. years it went for. Yeah. Now, if it was like that, I think what it would do to us is say we need to completely reorganise mm, ourselves. Yeah, we'd need to actually completely reorganise and, and with an eye to that headship. Yes, we need we need leadership in those small gatherings and say right. you are the we're going to lay hands on you and say you are the elder and the yeah. overseer of this little flock because that's all we can have. And them. obviously, right now, we it, it, I think I think under God, I think we've made the right call, which is to go into this temporary mode mm. while we wait for this storm to blow over. But if, it, if it's a much longer storm than we hope, I think, think at some point yeah. we're going to have to go, well, we can't stay like this for this long. Yeah, yeah. But so far, so good. We look, you know, it looks like we're coming up. Some, but again, last time it looked like we are coming up. That's right. So we just, you know. <laughs> it looked <laughs> being done when you, were, right. when you were eight at the pool and you were getting dunked. You know, right. You're just coming up for air and down again. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I guess for us, I mean, practically, we, we want to, if, if we can have more people this Sunday, we're going to take every opportunity to do it because uh, it could be as soon as, you know, last time it was, we got two or three weeks of higher numbers. We weren't ready to take it advantage of them and yeah. then they were gone again yeah, before yeah. we knew it That's so it. we, we want to yeah see if we so can. i think that's some of the answer yes i think the other thing to say is we know it's i think most of us at least know that there's something different about it yeah you, you feel it in your bones yeah. there's a there, there's a qualitative difference yeah yeah. And I think we've seen it a little bit in the last few weeks, as as or this just this weekend as we did the live stream. Yeah, there was a whole lot of people I saw for the first time in six months. Yes, and and it's so good to see them. Yeah, even though I've seen them in Zoom. Yeah, I haven't really seen them. No, I've that's just seen right. A, a yeah. pixelated image of them. That's right. That's right. Looking at a photo of them almost. And there's something yeah. wonderful about actually seeing a yeah, brother that's and right. sister. And even uh, someone was saying in our grad group last night, just the huge difference between the week before where we watched a good sermon from Gary on a video in the room mm. and then the next week where we heard a good sermon from you but in the flesh, there's something about that mm. that's different yeah. uh, which tied to the being together, it just made Sunday very special. Um, and, and, and because we'd been without it for so long, it felt so great. Um, As we've yeah. said too, um, you know, we're going to be thinking about this probably for the rest of our lives, trying to make sense of it all. But mm. um, I think as a preacher too, it's different. Mm. It's actually quite different preaching. I mean, you, you're well aware as the one producing it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's very weird for all of the preachers preaching to a camera mm. and an empty room. Yep. And compared to preaching to a room where there's there's feedback, where yeah, that's right, you see you know, see people even if you're going to see their eyes because they got masks <laughs> on, but at least you get some feedback. You do, you do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 
yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah, it is it is important. So we'll take what we can get with watch parties for now, but they really are just a sort of temporary stopgap to make sure we're gathering with someone. But long term, what we want is to to get back together again. Um, yeah, so long as the the circumstances permit. Very good. Andrew, thank you. Uh, this week we're push on, pushing forward in our series on church. Dave Kewen's coming in. Um, do you know much of what, what's coming up? I think he's doing something in 1 Corinthians. Yeah, he's looking at 1 Corinthians, and I think um, he, he's going to be thinking about the Great Commission, which is, mm. uh, you know, the Great Commission is where, where we take our, our kind of motto of church. Yeah, mission from, of church, yeah. Um, and, and what we're about, mm. uh, you know, making disciples in ever increasing number to the glory of God. Yeah. Um, and he's going to sort of tease that apart in this context and think about church from that from that angle. Yep. Um, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're thinking about um, life together. Mm. Uh, and then we're also going to be thinking about uh, the sacrifice of the Christian life and what that means at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to it, mate. Thanks for all your work. Thanks for tackling these questions with us. And uh, if you're watching along at home, we'll see you uh, on Sunday. Bye.